brief little announcement. Anyway, glad you guys are here. This this uh, semester we're talking about relationships, a mess worth making. Okay. Last week we looked at Luke chapter seven, which dealt with kind of this idea of the how do you have even the capacity to love another person, and really the capacity to love in that passage comes when you understand the grace of God and how much Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. And through that experience of knowing God's grace and His forgiveness of you, it changes your heart and it gives you the capacity to love other people. And so, in this beginning part of this series, we're dealing with kind of these fundamental things of like, what does it mean to have experience with Christ? And and then figuring out how to love another person. So, this semester we're going to be dealing with friendship, relationships, romance, dating, marriage. Okay? So, tonight... We're going back to some fundamental passages um, in Genesis chapter 1 to look at where this whole thing began. But um, before we get there, um, Paul McCartney, one of my favorite writers, okay, uh, if you know who that is, I hope you don't know who that is. Um, after the Beatles, he was in a group called. Wings. Yes, Wings, okay, there it is. Um, and he wrote a song. Uh, silly love song, but he said, some people want to fill the world with silly love songs. And at the very end he says, but what's wrong with that? And he's talking about himself. He was the one writing all those silly love songs for the Beatles. And the fact of the matter is, is you can't turn on the radio, or you guys don't even turn on radios anymore, but you can't like go on the internet and listen to, you know, or watch a YouTube video or um, you know, on your iPod or go to iTunes store or whatever, without this theme of love, without seeing this theme of love and romance. Can you shut that door over there? And um, and seeing that it it pervades every song uh, on the radio. I mean, we're not singing about great works of science, are we? Are we singing about great works of science? Maybe every once in a while. Are we writing songs about science? Are we writing songs about engineering? Okay, are we writing songs about accounting? Okay, maybe a little bit. Uh, we're writing birthday songs. Happy birthday. I think everybody knows that. Uh, but the point is is that we're not saying hail to Wall Street. Um, why? Because love, relationships are special. They're different. Uh, they make us sing. Okay? They give us joy. They give us these ultimate expressions of love and rejoicing and uh, and singing and songs and sonnets okay and so for instance you can you can go and just just look at Taylor Swift's songs for instance okay um, you know so, and her songs are dealing with either enjoying relationships um, hating relationships hoping to get into relationships uh, so forth like we're never, ever getting back together. Okay. Uh, and then there's this other one, the blank, the blank space or whatever, that one. Um, do you know that that's all, that video, it had like a billion watches. A billion. This is how big she is, okay? Can you believe that? A billion? Not, not millions. Okay. Billions. People are watching her songs. Um, it's going to be forever. Or it's going to go down in flames. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, 
Then you have, <laughs> then you have, you belong to me. You know, the, a desire that the boy next door, so to speak, will love her. Okay, instead of the cheerleader, um, mean, scorned love. You know. Uh, then there's our song. You know, sharing your favorite love song. This is going back a few years, I know. Um, but then you have love story, right? The song that she wrote, uh, and it's a classic. Dealing with our friend. Bill Shakespeare and his classic Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, and you know, you guys know the chorus, but or you know, you know, Romeo, take me, take me somewhere we can be alone. I'll be waiting. What's that? I, I won't be able to phrase it right. I'll be waiting. All there's left to do is run. You'll be the prince and I'll be the princess. It's a love story, baby. Just say yeah. Romeo, save me. I've been feeling so alone. I keep waiting for you, but you never come. Is this in your head? I don't think. He knelt to the ground and he pulled out a ring. He said, marry me, Juliet. You'll have to be alone. I love you. And that's all I really know. I talked to your dad. Go pick out a white dress. It's a love story, baby. Just say yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's very catchy, very catchy stuff. Okay, but it's love. Okay, it's about... It's romance, right? It's special. Um, our movies are typically, a lot of our movies are typically love stories, right? Of course, we have all the chick flicks, okay? But even like action and adventure movies usually have some sort of love story in the middle, right? That kind of keeps it together. You know, even the Lord of the Rings, what's the love story there? What's that? Yeah, Aragorn and... Aragorn and... And, and yeah, and heroin, right? And in fact, if you go on YouTube and you and you do a search for that, you can see love story with pictures of them. Like somebody made a video just with pictures of the Lord of the Rings with them. Okay. Um, and then, of course, one of my favorites, The Princess Bride, which is all about true love. Maui's is what brings us together today. Okay. Love, true love. That's what it's about, right? Finding Wesley, um, her true love. And of course, even like, even our, uh, our comedies, right? Typically the best ones have some sort of romantic love thing. Like back in the, uh, back in the 90s with friends, it was Ross, Ross and Rachel. Okay. Now let's move a little bit further into the office and we have Pam and Jim. And now, I, I would say, is it Big Bang uh, Theory that is kind of the next in line? I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is there one after The Office yet? What's Gossip Girl? Parks and Rec, maybe, yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, um, so, the, so the question tonight is, where does this, where does this all come from? Um, and why are we so consumed? with love and relationships, dating and marriage. Um, why do we put ourselves through the struggle? Okay, Why the fear? Why all of the anxiety? Why all of the pursuit? Why the nervousness of trying to call that girl okay, or that guy? You guys don't, don't even do that anymore. You just text or you stalk by Facebook. But back in the day, 
Back in the day, we would call. We would literally actually have to, and we, we had the rotating phones, and so you would, you would take a long time, like, you know, you would dial that six number, and then you would hang up and you would try again. Okay, there you go. So you remember. Um, so tonight we're going to look at, at the very beginning and kind of see where this all comes from. So I'm going to read passages in Genesis 126 and then also in chapter 2. So hear God's word. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the ground, on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. Every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Now we're going to go to chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord... God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds and to, and to the he, and birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last, at last uh, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let me just, let me pray real quick because I didn't, I didn't pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that, um, you're the one who originated uh, these relationships. So, Lord, would you help us? Lord, as we think about that in our lives, would you be with us? Uh, Lord, would you guide uh, these folks in here um, to navigate uh, the rough waters, I would say, in our culture of, of what it means to, to be a good friend, to, to date, Lord, to pursue marriage? Uh, God, that you would guide and direct and be with us tonight. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. And so we're going to ask tonight, why are we so consumed with this idea of love and relationship, dating and marriage? And basically, it's very simple. And, and you guys kind of know these things, I would say. But why are we so consumed with it? Why is this such a big deal? Why all the love songs? Why the silly love songs? Because, number one, God... It made you relational. 
Okay? Sounds simple, but it's also very profound. Listen to this. If you go back to 1, 26 and 27 on there, um, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. And so, later on He says, So He created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. And so, part of this issue of relationships and why it's such a big deal for us is because the very DNA of God is He is a relational being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Okay, this is an amazing thing. God, We are made in God's image and after His likeness. And God's image and likeness is, to some extent, is plural. It's male and female. If you just have the male, that's not enough. That's not the full image of God, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's the male and the female together which gives uh, the image of God in all of its fullness. Okay? So the very DNA of God is He is a relational being. That's why we talk. That's why we want to communicate with one another. Okay? Why? Because God in, in Himself uh, communicated and He made us people who communicate together to know and to be known. Okay, so this is the capacity, so to speak, of God in us. He's made us these relational people, um, thinking beings, communicating beings, and and not only that, but you know, I read these beginning this beginning passage in one, and you might say, why did he read all about like having dominion over the fish of the sea, and you know, and uh, being fruitful and multiplying all these things? Well, these are the very this is like the blueprint of everything. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Like, if you, if you want to go really deep, just get, get Genesis 1, 2, and 3 down. And you will go a long way in terms of just understanding who God is, who you are, who people are, what God has called you to be. Because what God is saying here is, as, as His image bears, He's calling us to work together with a purpose. What are the big purposes people have? They're right here. Family, work, and worship. Family, work, and worship are all right here. Because God is saying, it's not good enough for you just to be alone, Adam. Um, But I want you... There's this family mandate, this social mandate, they call it. Uh, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Adam was not an amoeba. Okay, He couldn't just self-divide, like cut off a leg and, hey, there's another Adam. Okay? It took the woman, it took the man and the woman to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to be the very foundation of culture with a family. The very foundation of society is family. That's where it all stems from. Okay? It all stems from God putting the man and the woman together. And so, not only that, but he says, uh, the cultural mandate. This is the idea of like, I want you to go build the world together. Not just by yourself, but together as the king and the queen of, of, of society. I want you, the man and the woman, to, to, to build culture, to be builders, to build society, to build civilization. So he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Okay? So this idea of relationship with Adam and Eve, um, it's not just them like sitting around in the garden, like pruning the, apple trees and that sort of thing, but it's like them thinking about how can we build a life? How can we 
take this beautiful creation that God has given us. And so we need the man and the woman. We need both these people together to help build culture. So, so to build family, be fruitful, multiply, to build culture and civilization. And also the spiritual mandate is here too, to worship God together. Because at the very end of this, he says um, to them, I want you to rest uh, on, and to worship me, to rest on the seventh day. And so that's actually the very first idea of worship. And Sabbath, resting and worshiping and remembering what God has done in His creation. So He's saying to the man and woman, both of them, hey, your purpose in life is to help one another worship and to help one another remember God is the one who created all the beauty here. And so, again, God is is putting us together. He's He is relational and He's saying in every endeavor that you go into, your relationship is is to be called to do this together. Um, you can't get away from that. And so God is calling us to be a team, so to speak, to be relational beings, um, and to go into the world together, building uh, society, uh, having families, worshiping Him together. So this is the very beginning of this. It's all to be. Uh, done together, um, and so part of part of the thing here about um, part of the issue in our in our culture is that we we tend to be alone all the time. And in fact, this is the second thing I want to get to is that uh, the, the second thing about this God is not only relational and He's built you for relationships, but he also provides for your loneliness. He also provides for your loneliness. And it's kind of like the uh, Renee Zellweger and Jerry Maguire, you know, you had me at hello, uh, if anybody remembers that. That's getting old now. You complete me, she said. Do you guys even remember this movie? Um, but to some extent, what God is saying is you, have a lone, you are lonely, Adam. You are alone in the garden with your work and with your animals, and I am going to provide a helper. But our culture is very lonely, and it's getting more lonely. Listen to some of these statistics. In 1960, okay, 77% of women and 65% of men completed all the major transitions into adulthood by age 30. What are they? Leaving home, finishing school, becoming financially independent, getting married, and having a child. Okay? So think about that. 77% of the entire culture of the U.S. women had completed that by age 30. The men, it was 65. Okay, in 2000, what do you think that percentage is? This is like now 15 years ago. It's 46% for women and 31% for men. Now, that's 15 years ago. I have no idea what it is now. But that goes to show you a little bit about how our culture has changed. That people are very, very alone. Um, and, you know, so the question is why, if God has made us relational, He's made us for one another, why are people waiting longer and longer to get married? You know, what is it about our culture that's doing that? And I think there's lots of different factors in that. Um, some people, it's fear. Maybe they have, they have had relationships. They've had relationships go, to, go downhill. 
and they're fearful for commitment. They're fearful to like stretch out and risk again. Um, also, I think a lot of it is um, in our loneliness. Instead of saying, "Hey, I should get to know other people. I should, uh, you know, uh, ask someone out. I should connect that way." Instead, we we do things like entertainment. Sports, you know, work, workaholism, exerciseaholism, school, GPA, you know, pursuing your, your career before you settle down. All of these things then take over and become what people do. And so this idea of marriage, this idea of relationships gets pushed further and further back. Um, or we negate you know, a true relationship and internet pornography is huge. And so this becomes a way, you know, a false way where people are saying, hey, I can I can do what I want to do. Or the hookup culture is saying the same thing. I don't really have to have a real relationship with someone and take them out and, and you know, be in a consistent conversation and communication and love them and serve them. I'll just, you know, we'll just get it over with and we'll have a hookup kind of relationship. And really, that's that's the college culture, okay? And there was a, there was a, an article I read a little while ago about this girl, and she was a co-ed, and she had experienced this, and she had become totally in, disenchanted with life. And after months of hooking up at parties with guys and giving herself away, it, these relationships meant nothing. And what she really wanted was some guy to ask her to go get frozen yogurt. So, like, the simple things of, like, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's get to know one another. Let's go out on an old-fashioned date and get some frozen yogurt. Those things were bypassed to the just the passion of a hookup. And so, people are doing that left and right, and they're, they're pushing down this other issue of the way God has made them for relationship, for deep knowing, for intimacy, for being known, and for knowing another person and serving another person. And so, um, but in this passage, so you have this lonely issue that Adam is going through. So is there hope? Well, yes, there is, because God provides. Look at Genesis 2.18, if you can go over there. Um, Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so, (laughs) God defines the problem. He says, hey, it's not good. This is the first time He says it's not good in the Bible. All all through Genesis 1 and 2, He kept saying, you know, He kept creating and said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Adam being alone, not good. But then He provides, I will make a helper fit for him. And so, uh, what does he do? Well, he becomes the ultimate wingman. Okay, so God, God uh, puts Adam asleep. Okay, he does a little operation on his rib, forms a nice, beautiful woman, uh, wakes him up, brings her over, and next thing you know, Adam wakes up and he can't believe it. He says, "This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh." What is he saying? He is saying. You had me at hello, you complete me. That's what he. That's what he's saying. He's saying. In fact, Tim Keller says it like this. He says, uh, "You're not. You, you're not. You know, kind of like me. You are me. 
So what is he saying? Well, all along he had been naming the animals, you know, um, but that really just didn't do it. Like the parrot was there, but the parrot kept talking back to him. You know, the <laughs> he had a golden retriever. You know, he's throwing sticks and like the golden retriever's like doing his thing. He's happy and everything, but the golden retriever really can't talk to him. And you know, he's he's seeing his emptiness in his work as he works. This is kind of interesting in his work. He's he's seeing that like he's empty. It's not enough. You know, and um, and so in the midst of that, God graciously provides uh, this companion for him, and uh, she's called a helper. And that's not like, oh, Adam's little helper, like Eve has appeared. It's actually a word that's used for God. God is our helper and our strength. So it's more about Adam's inadequacy, like that he needed, you know, he needed someone. So it's not like. She's some sort of like slave or something to to Adam, um, but the point is, is this is the grace of God uh, that God is giving um, him this helper fit for him, a gracious gift, uh, creating the woman and completing him. She's fit for him. It's a complementary relationship. Um, it's male and female, and this is this is really the ultimate basis of why. The Bible is against homosexuality because it's saying that um, the puzzle cannot be completed by the same sex. Okay, that God loves diversity, and and diversity is ultimately the male and the female together. That's diversity. Okay, and God loves diversity. You know that University of Maryland loves diversity. Well, God loves loves diversity. Okay, God loves diversity. He's saying, like, it's amazing. I'm going to put, like, these two different people together that are going to complete each other and they're going to be, like, some different kind of chemical that you've never seen when they get together. The one flesh thing. Okay? And so, this is, this is what God is doing. He's saying that's the image of God. Male and female. The image of God. There's something special. when It's not negating the fact that a woman by herself or a man by himself... And I'll, I'll deal with singleness. Hey, I'm single. I'm 50. Okay? So, we'll deal with singleness. That's a calling. That's okay. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm made in the image of God and I'm single. But I'm just saying that there's something dynamic and special about the man and the woman together, which is an amazing thing. Okay, and it's a grace of God. So, you see, all of these things are like deep in us. It's like the DNA of who we are because we're made in His image. And that's why, like, people are writing love songs. That's why people are getting excited about relationships. That's why... Weddings are a celebration. And that's my last point here is because this is really the first wedding uh, in the Bible. And there's an awesomeness in this wedding when God brings them together and they marry at this. at this, And he says, you know, this is why a man shall leave his father and mother and this is why a woman, you know, uh, will leave her home. And so the, the beauty here is that um, it's a celebration. And, and when the man says, hey... This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. That is a song. That's a song. That's the first poetry song, sonnet. In fact, in your Bible, if you look there, it's usually headed off like in a separate paragraph because God is He's making an announcement. Hey, like Adam is very excited about this. Okay, and he is singing the first love song of the Bible. That's the wedding right there. That's the celebration that's going on. Now, I want to tell you about a wedding I, I had the opportunity 
to do to to marry. And I've, and I've probably had the opportunity to marry about 15 or 20 couples. It's amazing. I can't believe that. that. But some of these are from my Oklahoma when I was a youth minister, kids getting married, and they say, hey, do do my wedding. So this one kid, kid Chris, called me and said, hey, I'm moving to New York. I'm pursuing this girl and uh, Nicole, and I'm going to move up to New York City. And uh, I said, great, you know, let, let's see what happens. And, and uh, so he moves up to New York City, and he pursues this girl, Nicole, and then he, and like, they want to get married. They're going to Tim Keller's church, Redeemer. And, uh, and I was honored and said, yeah, I'm going to do this. And let me just tell you, I am so glad I did this wedding. This is the wedding on steroids, okay? This is like, this is like TLC wedding, okay? It's a destination wedding. Uh, it's in, the, it's in Manhattan, okay? They put me up at like one of the finest hotels, like, in like mid midtown Manhattan, okay. I mean, like a ritzy place with nothing but wood, you know, on the first floor, and you know, just very cool, okay. And so, the wedding had a theme. It was like old Hollywood, okay. So the women were all in like these, I don't know, 1940 kind of like Hollywood, old Hollywood gowns, with their hair up in some kind of like old Hollywood fashion. I don't know what that would be, but like Greta Garbo or something like that. The guys all have fedora hats. They had like these really cool, um, like gangster kind of suits. Okay. And, and, and like the, the, uh, bulletin for the wedding was a playbill. You know, like if you go to a Broadway show, it's got all the actors and characters. I was in there. I was like the minister, a picture of me, like, you know, and, and just like everybody had this big, like, it was like this big, thick, like, book. Okay. And, and so, yeah, so we're doing this wedding. And the best thing was at the end of the wedding, it was like right next to Central Park at this church, this beautiful church. He had these two, like two or three school buses meet everyone at the back of the church. And that we all got on these school buses and we proceeded over to the Hudson River and we got onto a crew, like a, like a cruise ship for the wedding reception. And so for like the next three or four hours, we are on a boat, okay, on the Hudson and the East River. Like, hey, there's the Statue of Liberty. There's the, you know, there's like the, there's the Empire State Building. There's the Brooklyn Bridge. Like, I mean, for three hours while people ate and drank and, you know, sang Miley Cyrus, you know, Party in the USA. I mean, that's what was going on. That's the picture I remember because people were, that song was popular then. People were dancing to that song on the, on the boat. Okay. So anyway, I just want to say that was like the wedding on steroids. I'm so glad that I made that wedding. But guess what? That wedding, that wedding pales to the wedding that we are all going to. Because what, what God was doing actually in Genesis 1 with the man and the woman having a wedding, He was making a pointer to the ultimate wedding. God's all about marriage. God's all about wedding. You know what the greatest wedding that we're all going to be, whether we're single till we're 105 or if we get married? Okay, the greatest wedding is when we meet Jesus, our ultimate groom. Okay, this is why God is excited about weddings. So he is saying, hey, you are my bride. And I am leaving heaven for you. And I am going to leave all the glories. And I am going to put on flesh. And I am going to literally serve you and die for you and rescue you from your sin. 
on the cross. I am going to be your ultimate bridegroom. And I am going to come back for you one day. And I am going to take you to where? The wedding feast of the Lamb. Where we will have the finest wine and the finest meats, he says. Okay, And we will drink and eat with our groom. Okay, so this is how this is how much like the 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 issue of wedding and romance is in the heart of God. Do you know why we all want to be married and live happily ever after? That's not a Hollywood thing. That's not a a Disney thing. It's because deep in the heart of us, this is the story of God for every one of us who believes in Jesus. That the ultimate bridegroom has come. The ultimate bridegroom is pursuing you. He died for you. He loved you, and he's taking you home. To heaven, and that's why, when you think about a relationship of marriage, a, a dating relationship, you can go in there with confidence because you know that you know what. No matter whatever happens, if I risk and ask a girl out and it just blows up, you could do that tonight. You could have a glorious failure tonight. You could ask somebody out tonight, guys. Okay, and you could you could pursue them, and you could get blown up, and you could be you could be okay because guess what? You have an ultimate groom. Okay, Jesus has married you. He loves you. Okay? <laughs> but when you know Christ and you know that like, ah, this is glorious. He has given everything for me. I have the ability now to love someone else and to care for someone else because that's how God's made us. We can do that. Okay? So we're going to keep doing this. We're not answering all the questions tonight, but we're going to keep talking about these ideas um, in the weeks to come. So let me pray. And then we're going to um, sing a song and get out and go eat sugar. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we can, that the love story that you have for all of us is about this amazing groom who came and died uh, for his church, his bride, to make, to make us beautiful in him. And Lord, um, because of that love, Lord, we can love others. Because of that love, we can say yes. Because of that love, we can, um, have the guts to to ask out someone um, because of that love we can have the courage to stick in there and um, pers- to pursue someone when it's hard uh, Lord because of that love we can um, be set free from ourselves to serve so Lord would you give us that kind of love um, and we just give you praise in Christ's name amen